Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. If you didn't listen to the pilot episode, my name is Caitlin Fusco, and I am the host of the show. Now, I will just start off by saying that this podcast is typically going to be an interview fashion, so I will be having guests on the show, mostly mothers telling their home birth stories, also some midwives and other uh, care providers for mostly home birth mothers. So today, though, things are going to be a little different. Just like with the pilot episode, this will be a solo sode because I wanted to start off with telling you my own personal home birth story. So if you hate my voice or think that I'm a bad storyteller, then you might want to just move on to episode number two because I do way less talking and all of the rest of these. And episode number two is going to be an incredible story that we'll be hearing from Neely, a home birth mother of two. And episode three is Anne Margolis, and she is a wonderful midwife. So feel free to go listen to those episodes. Now, let's go ahead and just get down to business. I'm going to tell you my home birth story. I'm going to give you a lot of details because that's the kind of person I am. So here we go. Now, this was back in December of 2016. I had been working as an apprentice for about two years at that point. And about a week before I gave birth, I went to an incredible workshop. The phenomenal Gail Tully of Spinning Babies. So she came to town and I got to go with my midwife to this birth professionals, it was mostly midwives, uh, um, workshop. The topics of the workshop range from, it was optimal fetal positioning. She talked about shoulder dystocia and she talked about breach. Now, I felt confident that I was above being concerned about my birth. Like I thought, you know what? This isn't going to bother me. Anything she says about shoulder dystocia, I got my bubble of peace from Hypno Baby, so it's not going to bother me and I'll be fine. That was not true. The next thing that she starts talking about, we're talking about shoulder dystocia, and she mentions this fact that you got to watch out for those moms who have the really low pubic bones because the low pubic bones, it doesn't even matter if the baby, the baby doesn't have to be that big, they're more prone to shoulder dystocia. And if you don't know what shoulder dystocia is, that's when the baby's head is born, but its shoulders can't come out. So that is a bit of an emergent situation and you want to take care of it quickly. And there are plenty of ways to take care of it at home, but it's something that you certainly want to be aware of and you would prefer not to have happen. So she's like, yeah, watch out for those moms with the low pubic bones. Well, who here has a low pubic bone? That would be me. My pubic bone is so low that it's like practically outside of my body. Like I don't know how, like it's ridiculous how low it is. And I knew at this point that it was low because I had measured ahead my entire pregnancy. So, uh, so then of course I've got like this added stress of like, "Eh, well, if I even do have the baby ever, it's going to have a shoulder dystocia and it's going to be just not great, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so my husband and I had our last date on that night. We went to see some Christmas lights and then went home and had just a normal night. So the next day is Thursday. Thursday, I had my prenatal appointment anyway scheduled and I remember waking up that morning, going to the bathroom, and 
when I wiped, I noticed some pink tinged mucus. Sorry for anybody that's listening to this that isn't into birth. This is your cue that this might not be your show because this is going to be talked about a lot and more. So pink tinge mucus and those of you who have had babies might know like, oh, that's exciting. Yay. Because the pink means that, you know, there is some cervical changes going on and there's a little bit of blood showing and that's that's a pretty clear sign that especially, to, you know, at the end when it's time it's around your guest date anyway, like, oh, things are going good. Like this is, baby's probably pretty imminent at this point. So I texted my group of midwives, which, so it really includes my midwife and then a few other apprentices that we all work together in our group. And I'm just going to have to disclose it. You got to know what the name of the group was. It was We Fish for Poop because as midwives and apprentices, one of your biggest tasks is fish and poo out of birth pools with a fishnet. So if you didn't know that, you needed to know it. And I'm sorry to my group for exposing our sweet little group name. So I texted the We Fish for Poop group and let them know that, oh my gosh, like I've got blood tinged mucus. This is so exciting. And they were like, oh, yay. And then I had my prenatal. Uh, So yeah, go on with my day. And then in the afternoon and evening, I just had this phenomenal idea. Hey, Caitlin, who hasn't been running in a long time, why don't you go for a run? That'll help baby along. That's a great idea. So like I said, I hadn't been running. I'd been doing sprints a lot throughout my pregnancy. And even the maybe the week or two before, I really hadn't even been doing that. Um, but I had not done any type of distance running for most of the pregnancy. I'd kind of stopped that. But on this day, this lovely day, I decided I should go for a run. It was poo-poo weather. So I went to my in-laws house. They lived down the street and got on their treadmill, turned on the office because what the heck else am I going to watch and ran for five miles at 39 and what five, four days pregnant and thought that would be a good idea. So I end the run and feel believe it or not, feel kind of like crap, (laughs) feel pretty tired. So I go home and start to make dinner because we're having my sister-in-law come over, her parents. So she's much younger than us. At this time, she was 11 years old. So we were kind of watching her while her parents went to dinner and maybe like a movie or something with their friends. So I prepare dinner, we have her over, and then my husband invites his cousin and, and his cousin's wife over too. So it's kind of a little party. We're having dinner. We're enjoying ourselves. And I realized, you know, the baby could be coming kind of soon. I need to make sure that the gifts that I have for my uh, birthing team are wrapped. Because obviously, (laughs) obviously you got to get your birthing team Christmas presents. That's totally normal. So I had made them t-shirts that say home is where the birth is. I was very excited about these. So my sister-in-law and cousin were helping me wrap. They also helped me kind of finish uh, Christmas decorating my mantle. It was very important to me that my Christmas decorations were in place for the birth. Obviously important. So we get we get all of the presents wrapped under the tree. We get the mantle fixed and in place. We've eaten our dinner. And I'm noticing during this time that I'm kind of feeling some stuff and some things. I'm feeling 
some contractions or if you are a hypno baby's birther like me, I'm feeling some pressure waves. So I'm feeling the contractions and pressure waves. They're they're building a little bit and they're kind of coming a little bit closer together. I go ahead and text my We Fish for Poop group. I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm, I'm feeling some stuff and some things. I'm noticing that I'm kind of leaning over through some of these and they're back and forth like, oh, this is so exciting. We can't wait. One of them was like, you better tell us with enough time to get there because you're the kind of rock star that will just try to have your baby before everyone gets there. And I'm feeling all proud. Like, oh yeah, I'm so strong. Like, I'm just, it's not going to be a problem at all. Labor is going to be so great. It's going to be fast. I was very much under the impression that I was going to have a six hour labor. That is silly, but that is what I thought. Why? Well, we had a few people give birth soon before me that had had six-hour labors, and they were first-time mothers as well. They had also done hypnobabies. They had been seen by the exact same chiropractor as me, and they were taking this, um, this tincture that I was taking from Mountain Meadow Herbs called uh, Gentle Birth, which is... Uh, if you haven't heard of it, you sh- could go check it out. It's pretty cool stuff. And people that have had births with and without it typically really like it. So we had done what I was referring to as the trifecta. And I thought, well, since they had six-hour first-time births, that means I'm definitely going to have a six-hour first-time birth. So um, so I've got all, this, all these people excited. It's about... 10 o'clock now and my husband's cousin and his wife go home and then my in-laws come to pick up my sister-in-law and they're chatting away with us and as they're chatting away I am really starting to experience some discomfort and some intensity and I'm trying to keep my cool though because I really was not wanting anybody besides my birth team to know when I was in labor like I just wanted that type of privacy especially because my husband's family they live all around us and not that they would interfere in any way it was just I didn't want to be a watch pot so they're like talking and talking and I'm trying to act like it's totally normal for me to be leaning awkwardly over this couch this is how I always position myself and finally, around like 10.45, so it was, this was 45 minutes of me trying to play cool, they went home and I'm like, I turned to my husband and was like, Thomas, this, like, I am having contractions, like, this is real. So I texted the Fish for Poop group, let them know, like, things are really starting to progress and they're feeling excited. I go to my bedroom, get in my bed and turn on my Hypno Babies track. The track name, I don't remember what it is, but it's the one that you listen to, like, kind of when you realize it's your birthing day and you're getting excited for labor. So you listen to that to kind of get you in the zone. So I listen to my track and I'm feeling the pressure waves and um, and things are starting to really get faster, like closer together, longer, I guess stronger. I don't know at this point, but they're closer together for sure. And like that happening every three minutes, contractions are every three minutes lasting about a minute. So at that point, once I realized, like after that had happened for a while, I was like, okay, I should probably contact my midwife. So I get ready to contact my midwife and then I start feeling very sick and up comes all of my taco soup. That's just like really not what you want to puke, but I did. And I thought then, oh my gosh, like 
I'm hitting transformation. This is, this is transition. I'm going to have this baby soon. I better get these people here. So I call my midwife and like, Hey, I'm, I just threw up and I'm having these contractions. And she was like, she asked how far apart they were. I told her and she said, okay, I'm on my way. And so she's coming. And as she's on her way, as I know she's on her way, all of a sudden the contractions just kind of fizzle out. And Ugh, that was so disheartening. So I called her back and was like, oh, listen, I'm really not having contractions anymore. So I don't know what to do. Maybe you shouldn't come yet. And she said, no, I'm going to just go ahead and come just to be safe. We don't have to call the other apprentices. Um, I'll tell them not to come right now. We can just contact them later when we know more what's going on. So I said, okay. And then she texted me and was like, but let me know if I do need to contact them. And so Around that time, like once she sent that text, which was maybe, you know, 15 or 20 minutes later, the contractions had started back again. I was standing up at this point, leaning against my dresser. My husband's giving me counter pressure on my hips. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is, yeah, maybe they should just go ahead and come. So I told her that. So over the next hour and a half, people start arriving. I really don't have a concept of this time. So it's probably like 12 something or one something in the morning when this is happening. They all get here and to let you know how extra I was about this, I wanted my birth to be a Christmas pajama party. So my midwife team shows up in their pajamas and their Christmas robes and I had hot chocolate that I had made that I was ready for everybody to drink in a big thing on the stove with a ladle and it was just going to be a party and turns out my uterus wanted to disinvite everybody to the party because they all show up and we first off they open their presents because that was important they needed their t-shirts they open their presents and my uterus is just like you know what bump this like we really don't feel like doing this anymore so that was when I was in the in the same room as all of them and I thought okay apparently my uterus doesn't want me around you guys so you guys hang out in here I'll go back to my bedroom do my thing and I'll let you know when I need you So I go back to the bedroom in the dark with just my husband and I'm standing up for these contractions. Well, he's starting to get really tired at this point. He also is a stress sleeper, so he sleeps in really weird situations and he's like, I just really need to lay down. So he lays down for a little bit. I'm hanging by myself. Hours are going by, I suppose. And, um, and I realized that the only way that I can have contractions is if I am standing up, leaning over something. So they're, I'm kind of having to do something to make them come. So at that point, I probably should have gotten in bed and gone to sleep, but I just couldn't. I just wanted to make the baby come and force it. Now, this is the part that relates back to that going for a run and like kind of, I feel like I might have tried to be stimulating labor a little bit before it needed to be stimulated. Like maybe I could have been resting at this time. So always keep that in mind when you're You really want your baby to be here, but do you want to go through a longer labor than necessary? Uh, I don't know. So anyway, um, time is going by. It's getting to be morning time, like awake morning time. People are waking up probably like six in the morning. And I'm starting to feel uncomfortable that people are still at my house and that I have not had a baby for them. And so I go out to the living room and I'm like, hey, I don't know what to do. Like these contractions aren't being as consistent anymore and I have to stand up to have them so my midwife was like well why don't you get in the birth pool and see if that changes anything we'll just see what happens 
we will leave you alone. We will leave your house. We'll go get dinner or not dinner. We'll go get breakfast somewhere close by. We'll just be around the corner. And when you're ready for us, we'll come back or we'll just come back in a little while and check on you. Very sweet, very thoughtful. So I get in the birth pool, everybody leaves and the contractions just stop. Like they're like 30 minutes apart at this point. And that's the good thing about water is, you know, if it's time, like if you're really in labor and you're kind of on the cusp, a lot of times water is the thing that gets you there. But if it's like not time, water tends to kind of slow things down. So everything got slowed down. They were gone for a few hours and then come back probably around 10 or 1030. My midwife checks on me and when they walked through the door, I just felt so defeated. I was like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't even want you here. Like I love you so much, but I don't want you to be in prison at my home and I'm not even like having a baby for you. So my midwife was like, you know, it seems like you don't want us here. Glad she caught on. Why don't I just do a quick rebozo sift with you, see if we can get the baby in a better position, and then um, maybe we can go back home for a little while, and you could go see the chiropractor to make sure every your baby's you know in the right place. So she sifts me, which if you don't know um, what a rebozo is, definitely look into it. It's a great tool for you to have, for your doula to have. Um, but she, so that's basically she wrapped this piece of fabric around my belly, and. Um, and I leaned over a birth ball, and she's holding either side of the piece of fabric, kind of lifting up, which is relieving pressure pressure on my belly. And she just moves her hands back and forth, kind of like she's milking a cow, I guess. So uh, that just uh, that just kind of like allows for the baby to shift inside. And if it's not in a great position, it can it can help the baby get into a better position. So she does that for me. It was a really sweet moment. Um, I definitely remember that as a time that I felt very, very cared for. And then they left. Now, the only people that stayed, it was just my husband and my uh, acting doula, who was actually um, my husband's other cousin, who is a nurse. And I just really wanted her to see a home birth. So I wanted her to kind of stand, though she didn't have formal doula training. So they're still there. And we get in the car to go to my chiropractor's office, which my chiropractor is about 40 minutes away from me, but he is just the best in my opinion. He's Webster's certified. So if you are looking for a chiropractor, do try to find one that's Webster certified for pregnancy and childbirth. So um, yeah, 40 minute drive in the car and that's when the car tractions start. And if any of you have had car tractions, like if you didn't have home birth, if you went to a birth center or if you went to the hospital, oh my gosh, hats off to you because holy moly, I felt like I was gonna die in the car. That just stimulated contractions like nothing else. And it was the one time in my labor, and granted my husband might have a different story, it was one one time in my labor that I remember that I was just kind of a butthole. And like my husband was talking and I was like, shut up. So, uh, <laughs> so that happened. We get to the chiropractor's office finally and he apparently saw me get out of the car and like walking across the parking lot and knew that I was in labor. So he asked whoever was on the table at the time, like, hey, uh, looks like there's a mom in labor here. Do you mind if I just go ahead and adjust her real quick? So whoever that kind soul was that got off the table for me, thank you so much. So I walk in 
And he, I told him what was going on and he was like, okay, well, so, you know, what's your goal? Do you want a break right now? Or do you want to just get this thing going and really get this baby out? And I chose the second, please come on, just get her out. I just, I'm ready to have my baby. So he adjusted me and then, um, did some acupuncture, uh, pressure points. He has like this little electrode stimulator thing. So he did some acupuncture points. And I was out the door and on my way home, back through the 40 minutes of hell car attractions. We get home and I lovingly told, or maybe I even had my husband do it. I don't know. I just knew that my doula needed to go home. (laughs) I love her so much. But I was like, listen, this uterus does not want anybody here at all. So she understood and kindly went home. Thomas and I went and just got in the bed and snuggled for a little while and he was still really wanting to take a nap. So we tried to take a nap. I tried to take a nap. I was having contractions at that point every five minutes apart and they were uncomfortable when they were coming. Like they were pretty uncomfortable, but I still laid down through them because I just, what else am I going to do? I'm so tired at this point. Um, so contractions are coming every five minutes. And then finally, that was like at three o'clock that we laid down. And then at six o'clock, I had had enough. And I was like, you know what? Just screw it. I have to have this baby. I have to get this baby out. I will not be in labor forever. This is insane. So I remembered back to the workshop. Thank you again, Gail Tully, that Gail told us how if, if you're on a time clock, like if you say you've, you're, you've got somebody in the hospital that they're like, okay, if you don't have progress in this amount of time, then we're going to have to do this, this, and this. The best thing to do is to get them on the birth ball. Now, most people use the birth ball as like a, oh, comfortable sway, make little loops, sweet little loops with your body. Um, that's not what she's talking about. She was talking about sitting on the birth ball and just basically going crazy. You got to hold on to something for support or have somebody there to hold on to you. But you just move your body in every single direction and push down as hard as you can, stimulating your cervix. So basically, you've got baby's head stimulating on one side, the birth ball stimulating on the other side, and that is just causing your cervix to, like it's applying pressure to your cervix to hopefully stimulate it and allow it to kind of release and open. So I went crazy on the birth ball, and that is when I would say I actually got into active labor. And at the time... I really couldn't tell a difference between like my mental perception. There wasn't much of a difference between what I was experiencing then and what I had experienced earlier um, with the early latent labor. But I think at that point, maybe my daughter had gotten in a slightly better position. So I'm on this birth ball going crazy. And that's when the pukey pukey contractions start. And from this point on in my labor, about every 20 minutes, Um, at least every 20 minutes, I was throwing up. That stunk. Guys, I cannot tell you if if you are one of those sad, sad people like me that had a pukey labor. Oh, I just feel your pain. It was really not cool. I couldn't eat anything. I tried eating several things because, you know, you're at home and you want to keep your energy up and I hadn't eaten in a while. um, And I just threw them all back up. And even my amazing little popsicles that I had made for myself made of orange juice and coconut water. I tried to lick those and that made me feel horribly sick too, though they did taste good. So I ended up having my husband bake me crushed ice. (laughs) So 
uh, the thing that I make fun of in the hospital of like, oh, you're not even allowed to eat. Like you can only eat crushed ice. That's what I ended up having for my labor was crushed ice. Uh, So I had my crushed ice every once in a while trying to at least stay somewhat hydrated. And luckily my doula had the good sense of after she ate dinner coming back over to check, which at the time I was like, oh, please no, like I can't have anybody in here. But uh, my husband did let her in. And she just saw me and was like, oh gosh, wow, things seem different. So apparently, even though internally it didn't seem like things were changing for me, like the experience of the um, intensity was the same, it looked different on the outside. And so I might have mentioned this before, I can't remember. She is a nurse. Yes, I did mention that. So she is a nurse. So I asked her if she would just check me just to see if there was any change. And she did. Now, granted, she had never checked an actual human before. She had practiced check cervical checks on a mannequin, but not on a human. So I had these really cool little, um, this little model that I had made myself just to practice as an apprentice for cervical checks. And it, like I had used that um, puff paint. <laughs> so I had drawn circles of different sizes and used puff paint to say like, oh, this is one centimeter and two and three and five, ten. So she's looking at my diagram and feeling my cervix and was like, um, I definitely think that we need to call your midwife. You do seem dilated more because the last time I asked my midwife to check me before she left, I was only at three centimeters. She was like, and I was like, well, what, how far along do you think I am? And she was like, I definitely think you're somewhere between like six and eight. So let's just, I'm going to give her a call. So She calls the midwife and is on the phone with her, and I'm still doing my thing on the birth ball for a while. By the time my midwife gets there, she kind of, I guess she just stayed in touch with my doula, who also kind of stayed out of my room because she knew that I didn't want anybody there. Um, By the time my midwife got there, I think it must have been like 10 o'clock or or so at night. And I was on hands and knees at that point at the edge of my bed. And I was really not comfortable at that point. I can say that yeah, labor had changed. Um, so I was asking her like, what do I do? I just need some type of relief. And she, she recommended, well, you know, do you want me to set the birth pool back up? And I had said, I just don't want to get in there and, and have the same thing happen again where everything stops. And she was like, okay, yeah, I understand that. Well, why don't we just try getting in your bathtub instead? So I have a garden tub, so it's a nice size. We fill that up and I get in and, um, I'm working through the pressure waves there. My husband is still tired at this point, laying beside me, like trying to hold my hand every once in a while. Um, but I, yeah, I'm working through the co- the contractions. Um, and a- after I've been there for a while, I honestly have no concept of how long I was in, in that tub. It must have, it was probably like two hours though. Uh, so towards the end, um, I'm cold. But, but also the issue was that I kept uh, banging. So the, the drain that I have in that tub, it's like a circular drain and you press on it to pop it up or pop it down into place. So of course, with every contraction that I had, somehow my freaking right knee would find the freaking drain and pop it open. So every contraction, the water level is just going down a little bit. And at one point in my husband's half sleep, he said, stop doing that. And I will never forget that he said that. And he will never forget that he said that because I will never forget that he said that. And I remind him every once in a while. 
And he's like, well, I just didn't want you to be uncomfortable. Yeah, no, he was like totally out of it and was a little bit annoyed, I think. (laughs) So my midwife comes in to check on me because I think I asked Thomas to go get her at one point. And I was like, I'm cold in here. Can, Can I just get in the birth pool? Like I really just wanted to get warm. And she was like, well, I've been warming it up for you, but it's really not that warm yet. I don't know that you, you're going to want to get in. And then she like dipped a finger in just to see the temperature in the, in my tub. And she was like, oh my gosh, it is much warmer than this. Yes, please go get in the birth pool. So she escorts me to the birth pool. My husband comes along, by the way, it's just my midwife here at this point. She could really read the situation and knew that I didn't need anybody. Like I just was not in a place where I wanted people there. So none of the other apprentices were there except for one who was asleep in my guest bedroom. My midwife didn't even want me to know that she was there. Uh, Anyway, we get into the birth pool and yeah, it was still cool. It wasn't hot or, you know, really good warm. So they're boiling big pots of water and pouring them into the pool. Now I know as an apprentice, when I pour water into a birth pool, um, like warm water, boiling water into the birth pool, I, you find the space that the mom is not in and you pour it in. And usually there's somebody there kind of helping you stir it around so that it evens out. And there's not like one spot of super, super hot that the mom can hurt herself with. But with me, every time that they would pour the boiling water in, I was like, they were trying to do it away from me and I would shift my body under it so that it had to pour directly onto me. And I remember that feeling so good. And I later heard that they were thinking that I was psychotic. So they, uh, so the, the water did get warm. And after I'd been in the birth pool for not that long, maybe like, maybe 30 minutes or so, um, I started feeling a slight urge to push and it wasn't enough to where like I had had to, but I did notice myself just kind of bearing down a little bit. But at this point, I am so discombobulated and so uncertain with myself because I just felt like birth was going to go this certain way and it, and it wasn't going any of the way that I planned. So I just told my midwife, you know, I feel kind of like I have to push, but I don't know. Will you please just check me one more time just to see where I am? So she obliged. She checked and once again, I was kind of wrong because she was like, well, you're, you're at about an eight and a half. So if you can hold off, it might be best for you to just wait a little bit. Just see if you can just wait a little bit and give your cervix a little bit more time. So I said, okay, a little bit begrudgingly, and I tried my best not to push. I did feel a little oomph every now and then, but nothing hard. So but somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes later, I don't know, I all of a sudden, my the, the switch flipped, and it was like, nope, you have to push. You have to. And my body pushed. Push, it did. I think I had maybe one contraction and I I told her, I have to push and started pushing. And she was like, oh, okay, okay. Um, so I had one contraction and then with the next contraction, my water broke. And that is a crazy feeling, guys. Isn't that just the weirdest feeling when your water, if you're one of those people that whose water breaks, like, like bursts. So my water bursted and I think it kind of added to the weirdness that it bursted in water because I was in the birth pool. Uh, but so that happens. And then all of a sudden my baby, Janie goes from being like placed right in my pelvic opening, like maybe almost even above it basically to my perineum. She just shot down and there is so much pressure on my perineum. And I just instinctively, both of my hands 
flew down to provide some support and some counter pressure. And I remember <laughs> like seeing out of the corner of my eye, my midwife's face and it, she just looked very confused. And she was like, Oh, Caitlin, can you feel your baby? And I like could not use words. And so I tried to nod my head, but I couldn't do that either. I don't think, I think it was more of just like, I moved my body a little bit back and forth to say yes. And so she was really surprised because obviously I was just an eight and a half and not that that really matters, but I was eight and a half to like seeming like I'm crowning. So she uh, looks, she gets her flashlight and just kind of looks in the water and was like, yes, there's baby's head. Okay. Okay. So she gets everything ready. She gets her gloves on and, um, I, th- I think maybe she had my doula call the birth team, which at this point is just not going to make it. So, um, so I am pushing, I, like I said, it was from nothing to everything. She is at the perineum, baby crowns and that, you know what? It's interesting. I really didn't super love active labor where I'm puking all the time, like the 20 minute pukey pukes, but Pushing felt so nice because I finally felt like I had control over something. So I really enjoyed the pushing. It was my favorite part. But as I started pushing, I remember praying like, Lord, please just let this be less than an hour. I just want it to be less than an hour. I didn't, I didn't realize like, no, the baby is like crowning. Um, so, cause one of my friends had just recently had a birth, even though it was a short birth, she had to push for, for like three hours. So I just remember feeling at that point, like I can't. I can't do it for too much longer. I'm pretty tired. So I'm pushing and then I feel, yeah, I feel the quote ring of fire. It wasn't, it's not that bad. Um, Just a lot of pressure and intensity. And then baby's head comes out and my midwife tells me and I start thinking about the shoulder dystocia and I am confident that my baby is going to have a shoulder dystocia because of my low pubic bone. So I am stressed out, but at least Gail had told us in the workshop the way to, the best way to resolve a shoulder dystocia. If they've got a shoulder dystocia, they get on hands and knees. So I'm already kneeling in the bathtub, so I can't really get more on hands and knees in that position. So the next thing that Gail had said was, if that doesn't work, then you want the mom to get into a runner's lunge. So you want her to pull one leg forward. You want to help her pull one leg forward. So I am under the the impression that I've got to pull one leg forward. As I'm pulling one leg forward, I feel my midwife take her hands, reach up into me, and pull, twist, pull my baby out. So in my mind, I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. Like, I cannot explain to that you that feeling that fast like jerking rotation of my baby twisting like that and being pulled out and I at that moment was like oh my gosh thank god like I knew the baby was out I knew I felt her leave but I was really like oh my gosh I knew it I knew I would have a shoulder dystocia it wasn't a bad one but I I had one but thank goodness for the advice and I knew what to do for it and that my midwife knew what to do so Baby is born, and I remember my midwife just said, okay, Caitlin, she's here. Reach down and pick up your baby. And I picked her up, and I think, like, my first words to her were, you did such a good job. Hi, Janie. And I, like, am talking in this dolphin voice that it really, like, a few days later, I listened to the video and was, it's silly, but I was embarrassed because I sounded like such a goofball. 
but uh but yeah I mean you know you're just so overwhelmed with emotions and you just cannot believe holy cow like my baby is here and she did do such a good job and she helped me and we worked together and she got out and so um then I did I was having some bleeding so we moved from the birth pool onto the um, plastic wrap covered couch so I'm laying on the couch with the baby and it was really important to me that we not cut the cord or I was going to do a cord burning but I wanted to have what I have termed as the short-term lotus birth so I didn't I didn't want to detach Janie from the placenta until both the cord had stopped pulsing and the placenta had been born. Uh, we have the cord burning ceremony, which if you don't know what that is, it, it's really sweet. I definitely recommend it. We'll be doing it with our next baby too. Um, instead of cutting the cord and clamping it, you use candles and burn the cord. So you you detach the baby that way. And it's really cool because, you know, with the cord cutting, one person does it. But with the cord burning, it takes about 10 minutes to to burn the cord and to cauterize it. So everybody gets to be involved and it's just more of a sweet ceremony in my opinion. So that's what we did. I did let my daughter do what's called the breast crawl. So I placed her on my belly once we got onto the couch and I let her crawl up herself and find my breast and latch for the first time. If you have never seen the breast crawl, it's so incredible. Like the fact that babies are born with the ability to crawl up, like push themselves up, find the nipple and latch onto it, that is insane to me. It's just unbelievable and I just think it's all part of God's amazing design. It's just incredible. So after she nursed for the first time, we got up, got went and um, I got showered off. My husband held... Janie for a little while and then we got in bed. Once we were in bed, my midwife made me some eggs and toast and we had a mimosa toast, which you that's like the number one reason that I wanted a home birth. I'm just kidding, but it really is awesome. You get to have your mimosa, you get to have your toast and it's just such a fun, beautiful little celebration after the baby's born. So I drank my mimosa and my midwife and her apprentices checked out the baby. She was eight pounds, four ounces and 21 inches long. So we recorded all the stats and then after a few hours, everybody cleaned up and went home and we took a nap and we're ready for the rest of our day once we once we woke up again. So I, I have to mention this because I would, oh my gosh, she would kill me if I, did, if I didn't fix the story. But like I was talking about when Janie was born and I felt my midwife pull her out, I, after, I, after she was born, I, I got on the couch and was like, what happened? Like, how bad was the dystocia? What, I felt you pull her out. What was that like? And my midwife was like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, Elizabeth, I, fe- I felt you put your hand up there. I felt you twist her. It was the most jarring twist. Like, what was that? And she was like, Helen, I didn't even have my hands on you. <laughs> so what I was feeling was just my baby rotating down and coming out totally normally. But here I am, like being crazy, confident that I there's this shoulder dystocia and there's this problem and my midwife had to pull my baby out. So now I joke with her a lot and talk about how she, you know, had to pull my baby out. She just loves that. She thinks that is the funniest thing. But um, but yeah, she didn't have to do that 
crisis averted. There was never a shoulder dystocia. I just freaked out for no reason. So not doing that next time. But yeah, so that was my labor, the birth of Janie Lark. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please go listen to the other podcast episodes that I have uploaded. There should be two more right now if you're listening on day one on launching day. If you would like, you can follow me on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast. That's that's where I'm most active on social media. And then also you can go to the website, myhappyhomebirth.com and check everything out there. It's a work in progress. I'm not a website person, but I'm I'm trying. The other thing is, if you would like to be interviewed, please contact me. I am, I've already got interviews through February and March, maybe up until March at this point, but, um, but we'll go ahead and get it scheduled and we can go ahead and record it and have everything ready. So you can do that by emailing me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com. That's K-A-T-E-L-Y-N at myhappyhomebirth.com. And then finally, I am setting up my Patreon account today. I'm super excited about that. If you guys want to, even if you just want to donate a dollar a month, that is totally cool. But if you want to support the show, it would mean the world to me. And as we reach these milestones, there's going to be cool stuff that gets to happen and we can really get the word out um, and just have a wonderful community. I'm really working on the merchandise aspect of things. As I get a little bit more funding, that will be possible because everybody needs home birth shirts. Um, so yeah, you can go check that out. There are different tier levels and different fun things that you get and access that you get with each of those. Uh, but so yeah, that is the end of the show. Please, like I said, go, go listen to the other stuff and thank you all for listening to this story. And I can't wait to hear from you soon.